0: Hello, welcome to another edition of the No Chofters podcast. I'm Stel. It's it's cold at the moment. The UK, we're getting that weather now. That that cold snap is on its way and I can feel I've got the hoodie on. All right, it's six o'clock in the morning, but it's still cold. Trust me. I've got a special guest, boys and girls. Gareth Jennings, a good friend of mine. How you doing, mate? You good?
1: Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you, Stel. Um, We're we're, we're the opposite. It's just starting to warm uh, warm up here in New Zealand yeah
0: see for the benefit of our our viewers or our listeners gareth is is based in new zealand even though he's from the uk he's based in new zealand now he's got the wonderful weather he's got the wonderful beaches everything and um actually do you know what? i think i'm the only one missing out here because most of our viewers are in cyprus and they got the wonderful everything as well so i'm I'm the odd one out
1: <laughs> yeah you're definitely missing out style you need to um I'd either get to Cyprus or New Zealand. Um, a little bit of warm weather and some of those uh, some of those nice beaches. I think all there. Yeah, one
0: hundred percent, one hundred percent. Well, mate, um, people are going to be asking who's Gareth Jennings, and this isn't a disrespect to you it's because obviously people in Cyprus aren't going to really know who you are. But I can tell you guys that Gareth has uh, <laughs> spent time as academy director at Bristol City, the same at Leicester City, at Stoke City you were recently the GM of high performance at New Zealand the, the Football Association and you also work at FIFA now you, you've done a lot mate <laughs> you've done a lot how are you coping
1: <laughs> yeah I'm good I'm good um, yeah it's been it's been busy um, obviously I've been really really lucky to to see a lot of the world and obviously um, in, in a football context as well um, so um, it's been it's been really good um, I've had some um, some really interesting roles, some really diverse roles, um, but um, yeah, probably probably the highlight being obviously FIFA um, and looking after technical directors and, uh, um, uh, globally. Um, so yeah, very good. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm well, still enjoying the football. Um, I'm doing some consultancy now um, around a number of clubs and with a number of um, different federations. Usually in a sort of technical advisory capacity. Um, So yeah, the journey the journey's still ongoing, um, and uh, long may it continue. Good, mate. Good, very good. So, are you still working at FIFA from for like a
0: contractual basis? Am I right? You're still doing work with them.
1: Yeah, I've been doing consultancy work with them. Um, So I've been doing some uh, mentoring um, with one particular um, technical director, Um, and then. um, obviously, any additional work that comes my way from, from FIFA is always, is always beneficial. Um, but um, the work that the sort of big amount of work that I'm doing in a minute is really with um, a number of federations, which is independent from, from FIFA. Um, and that's mainly sort of technical advisory work. So looking at um, national team coaches and, and, and how they work, um, but also probably looking at uh, talent ID pathways in those countries, um, uh, how we can develop them further. Um, and what their um, talent identification processes are. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's still varied. Um, and I've still got some work in the club environments as well. Not Nothing in the UK at the moment. So the the, the work that I'm doing is um, in the US and then some in Australia. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, a, a little bit different, um, but um, no, it's, it's, all, it's all good. That's good to hear, mate. And I'll
0: tell you, one of the main reasons why I want to join this podcast is because the way that... Our club, Omonia, is being run at this moment in time, especially at youth level. Um, it's almost as if the DNA of Cypriot football is changing. Over the years, we've had hundreds, hundreds of of non cypriots playing in the league at the same time. Some clubs fielding mostly foreign players. As we've seen a few times in the Premier League, don't get me wrong, but in Cyprus, it became a b- bit of a problem. Uh, young players weren't developing correctly. They weren't given the opportunities, but now... Uh, our club, on money we went through a, a big restructure, I'd say back in maybe 2017, 2018, maybe a little bit before that. Um, and the culture changed quite a lot. And now we've seen the introduction of many youngsters, some of them playing national team football, even as, as teenagers. One of them recently moved to MLS uh, to play for sport in Kansas. Um, and again, as I said, the the mentality is changing. They're trusting a lot on youngsters, uh, which is, I think, very important. But when you've got managers like Henningberg, who was at our club, giving them opportunities. When you've got someone like Neil Lennon, who is still at the club, again, continuously giving youngsters an opportunity. Given your experience, especially talking to other technical directors from abroad, from perhaps developing nations, how important is it for them, for youngsters to... Benefit from first team football, whether it be at the club that they're at, or maybe even out on loan to to a low league t- uh, club.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think sort of first of all, it's it's really um, really important. I think when a when a new manager comes into a club, um, that the owners are really clear around what their um, what 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 their vision is for the club, um, and having some really clear objectives for them. Um, so, obviously. Um, When a manager comes in, there's going to be a really clear objective around winning games of football. You want to be successful. um, But then what's that commitment around youth development? And what does the long term strategy look like for the club, which is where the the technical director or the sporting director will will come in? Um, They'll support the head coach, um, but they'll be looking at that long term vision and being able to give young players an opportunity as part of that. So if you've got a commitment to um, the sustainability of the club um not not just financially but in terms of players coming through um hopefully the sporting director is then looking internally before you're looking outside of the building um and you're giving players opportunity now sometimes that will be set by the league so there are some leagues around the world that have some criteria in terms of you must play a number of players who are under 20 or under 21 um so it's set by the league so that's supported, um, but usually in a professional league, it's it's set by the club. Um, but being able to give players those opportunities to come through, um, gain experience at first team level, um, or even things like being able to travel with the team, um, being able to train on a regular basis so they get into that environment, so they're used to it, um, is, is hugely beneficial. Uh, and, and look, you usually don't know until that player stepped into that environment. Um, until they've actually got on the pitch. You know, there's, there's been some surprises where, you know, there's been a number of injuries in clubs and players have had an opportunity to go in and, and play. Um, and and they've surprised people, you know, they, they, they do, they jump out at you. Um, you don't know what, how they're going to transition into that environment and um, uh, how they'll adapt at that particular time. Um, so yeah, if you've got if you've got a manager that's bought into the philosophy of the club, um, like you say, um, Henning Berg and, and, and Neil Lennon have, have, have done that, uh, have come in and given players opportunities. Um, you know that's that's great, um, and and long may it continue. Um, we we have some big challenges globally where you know you don't you don't get young players getting those those opportunities to come in or be in around the first team, um, and, and sometimes the regulations or the rules don't lend themselves to it either. Um, so, yeah, it's great, you know, if you've got a club philosophy, the owners are setting it, it's really clear objective for the head coach and, and that's been supported throughout the club. Um, you know, it sounds like it's uh, it's heading in the right direction.
0: Oh, absolutely. And you know what, mate? I, I'm sure you've noticed this as, as well, but you've got clubs like, for example, Liverpool. They've got academies everywhere. They've got one in Texas. I know there's one in Cyprus as well. They've got them scattered all over the world. And I'm guessing... The primary, the primary reason for doing that is to get more talent on board and, and cast a net wider, so to speak. But how do you think that affects clubs within those regions? And I'm using Cyprus again as an example because I know there's, a, there's an academy out there, a academy. But obviously, when you've got a small island of maybe a million people and there are maybe six, five or six big teams, and when I'm talking about you know, size-wise, I'm talking about history, I'm talking about finances as well, Because, again, I'm sidestepping here, but Omonia probably aren't the richest club in Cyprus. There are two clubs with Soviet owners, should I say, um, who are now uh, pumping a lot of money into their academies, which is not bad. But when you've got the likes of Liverpool with their academies in in little regions like that, how do you think that affects the clubs on the island in terms of their recruitment for bringing in youngsters? And as you said, Talent ID.
1: Yeah, I think there's, there's probably... It's probably sort of twofold. Obviously, there's, I think there's probably a commercial um, perspective to that as well, um, where actually, you know, they, they're trying to sort of spread the global name of the club. Um, uh, how much that um, academy is then connected back to the professional academy in the club environment. Um, sometimes it can be really loose. Um, however, we're well aware of the impact that that can have on some of the smaller clubs um, based in, in in certain countries. Um so it's a it, it is a real challenge um what's, what i would say um and and i speak to clubs about this in new zealand and in australia and in the us and is is just making sure actually the focus is on on yourselves because it's you, you can't affect what you you know what you can't control um so actually making sure that you get a really good environment for your own academy um there is that professional um pathway that exists where players are getting opportunities to progress into the first team. Um, and then hopefully the young talented players will start to recognize that and start to sort of say, actually, no, I, I don't want to go to that big club's uh academy that's 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 in our country where actually there's not a pathway that exists. I can now see that actually the best opportunity for me is gonna to be to go into this particular club. Um, but yeah, certainly it's gonna have a it's certainly gonna have an impact. Um and and look, we know some of these big clubs have got global names and like you say, uh, Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea um, from from the UK, Real Madrid, Barcelona, uh, Bayern Munich. They, they're huge globally. They've they've got academies all over the all over the world. Um, but I think the professional clubs in those particular countries, if they have a really good environment that young people want to be involved in and want to go to, where um, you know their their potential is recognised, um, they enjoy going there, they love the environment. Um, I, that that for me would be where I'd sort of focus my time and just say, look, let's get this environment right. Let's make it so that there's a really clear, transparent pathway for young people, uh, but they actually love coming here. Um, I, I think when you when you get the club right, it's a club that people love going to. So, you know, when people talk about Leicester winning winning the league, it was a club that people, you know, players love to go to. So they've done really well with young players coming through and the progress in the club because the environment's been been right um and a really good environment to go to players just love being there um and that's how you they were there right.
0: when they won the league though weren't you if i'm not mistaken were you there when they won the league
1: yeah 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 yeah, yeah I, was, I was there i oh, was no the there mate <laughs> uh, <laughs> i think yeah, you, had, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, you yeah. had a few cans yeah is that right you had a few cans <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think there was i think there was one or two one or two flowing um <laughs> probably the bit that people don't know about uh leicester winning the premier league it was that um they had more um, um, more minutes for um, Premier League debuts than any other team in the league at that yep. during that particular year, um, and, and that was just because they got this environment right. But they also had a long term plan, so it was never just about winning the league like the year. That obviously came as just as much a surprise to them as it did to, as it did to everybody else. The the plan was very much long term, uh, and that's obviously they've got some challenges this year, but that's continued to exist, and they've continued to have success. They've continued to have young players coming through. Um, so yeah, I, I would I would say the same to any professional club with any academy. Um, if you get your piece right, um, it doesn't take parents and young players long to realise actually that's where I want this young player to to go to. But it, it's always going to be a challenge competing with those big those big names. Yeah, absolutely. And given the fact that you
0: you uh, were academy director for two Premier League clubs Leicester City and and Stoke City when you look at the barriers or should I say the obstacles that you faced as the director of these clubs now we're talking about clubs that you know Leicester City multi-million pound profit I know Stoker Championship at the moment but at the time they they were doing very well financially what do you think were the challenges that you faced especially when it came to I don't know. Maybe progressing youngsters. Because, uh, the reason I ask this question is because we've had a few incidents in Cyprus whereby maybe a, a young player who's done well in the first team has perhaps had their head turned by another club's interest from abroad, and there's been a lot of external influences that have been perhaps affecting his, his performances, his his mental health, etc. Be it family, be it coaches, be it the club, the president, the vice president, all these factors. So would that, is, is that one example of something that you've been through? Or has there been other examples where you felt, this is beyond my control. What can I do to, to help resolve this situation?
1: Yeah, I would, um, so okay. in, in the UK, they'll talk a lot around the sort of the FA's four corner model, which is uh, technical and tactical uh, and physical on one side. And then um, psychological and social on the other, and probably the the bit where there's the biggest focus or the biggest amount of expertise is that sort of technical, tactical, and the and the physical elements um, where there's a real big focus. Um, and then over the last sort of five to ten years, there's been that shift in right. Well, we need to make sure actually we get the social and psychological piece right for for young players coming through because that's always the always the challenge um, being able to cope with that high pressure environment um and being being able to progress all the way through um and what what i've i've sort of um always find is you get a lot of um bronze medalists or i would call bronze medalists that actually come through in the end because they're the ones that have had to strive and cope and sort of hang on every year and to get that next contract um to, to move to the next age group um whether the ones that are sort of top of the tree um actually when when they get that next challenge and they've never had it before is a real you know it's really difficult to cope with um but certainly i think you know the, the the big part is those sort of external factors that come in so your head's turned by a big club um or there's something at home that's not quite right or something at school that's not not working for you or it's usually something external that has that impact on on, on your performance um so i think the bit that's in the club, um, you know, there the should be the expertise that exists there to be able to support and, and, and nurture. Um, but it's making sure that actually those people who are um, the experts in the club environment also have an awareness that, you know, these are young people that we're dealing with. Um, they're, they're people the same as us. Um, they want to enjoy going to work every day because it is, you know, it's a, it's a work, it's a business, it's a working environment. Um, they, they must love that environment. Um, but also sometimes they need an arm around them. Uh, and they need looking after. Sometimes they need some direction, um, so they, you need to challenge them a little, a, a little bit more. Um, but it all needs to be done appropriately. Um, so I think I think that's the key. Um, for me, um, the bit that I think that's probably missing um, at the moment is wow. Well, in in a, in a lot of academies, I think a lot of them miss out on the education piece. Um, So do we get the education bit right? Um, These young people now need to be um, really effective learners when they step into an academy environment. You know, we'll put a license and pro license coaches in front of them. We'll put sport scientists in front of them, nutritionists with PhDs um, that that have the information. Um, uh, Hopefully they're getting it across well enough. But actually, if the young person's a really effective learner and, and, and how they become an effective learner is is at school. Um, you know, you you they don't teach you French to go and so you can go and live in France, or teach you history to go and work in the Tower of London. It's so that you can become anything that you want to be. Um, and it's the same in the in the football environment. If you're an effective learner and you pick things up quickly, what you'll find then is in the training environment and the game environment, you'll start to self-correct, you'll start to observe and notice things and uh scan probably a little bit better. And so picking up a lot of the skills that are required to be. Uh, professional professionals or top 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 players um so yeah um that look I, I think in a in an academy in a professional environment there's a lot of challenges um always getting the you know what we've spoken around already getting them across the line so how do we get them into that first team environment so having really good relationships with uh the head coach and the sporting director and and understanding what those objectives are and the types of player they want and what positions that, you know, What what's the structure of the club or what's the structure of the first team environment at the moment? Um, is there a certain patterns of play that, that they want to adapt to? Um, so you've got to be able to give the young players those tools to come through. So when they get that opportunity, it's not the last one that they have. Um, so, yeah, but a, a number of huge, huge challenges. Um, one that um, we used to talk around at, at Leicester City, and it was it was Claudio Ranieri that, sort of spoke around, it was um, increasing the number of substitutes on the bench. So even if you didn't use those players, just getting them into the environment, being in and around the first team. And if you're in a 3-0 lead or a 2-0 lead with a few minutes to go, you've got an opportunity to put a young player on the bench. So you're giving those opportunities on a more regular basis. Um, that was something that he was always really, really keen on. Um, but um, yeah, hopefully... Um, It's starting to turn a corner and, well, certainly in the UK, there's been a lot of young players coming through and the academy system seems to be working really well. Um, Hopefully, um, UEFA and and FIFA are now supporting that with the talent development system um, and starting to implement um, across clubs in in Europe and the the globe. Um, So hopefully we'll start to see some um, club environments really affected by that and really supported with their young players. Brilliant. Well,
0: I need to ask you about your time with with FIFA, Uh, football's governing body. Uh, It's come under a lot of criticism, not just recently, but over the years with certain people in charge, et cetera, et cetera. And now they're talking about the World Cup. All of a sudden, the World Cup in Qatar, they're talking about human rights, et et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not one of these people where I'll be like, oh, you shouldn't have that tournament there because of their human rights. I'd be a hypocrite. I've been to Dubai numerous occasions. So for me to, to be critical of hosting a tournament in a, in a, a similar culture, a similar environment, it will be hypocritical. But I keep talking to other people about this and I say to them, look at your phone, where was it made? Oh, it was made in China, made in Singapore. Do you really think that phone was created under great working conditions? Look at the things that we have from a materialistic point of view, be it, even our clothes. If you look at the label where our clothes are produced, do you think they're in nations where people are getting paid correctly or fairly? So when I, when I see the criticism FIFA receive, it's, it's not a surprise. But again, again, it's the hypocrisy. And I just wanted to make that clear before I, you know, because people are going to say, oh, you're going to lay into FIFA because I don't bite my tongue, Gareth. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't bite my tongue. And people will say, oh, you know, you, you, you tell it like it is. This And this is, this is me telling it like it is. So you having come from Stoke City, Bristol City, Leicester City, to end up working for FIFA... How much of an eye opener was that for you? Because we're talking about you know a, a global company, but with so much power and so much influence.
1: Yeah, uh, do you know what it was? Um, it, it was fantastic. Um, I've got to say, I you know I, I, being there in a full time capacity um, was was really good. Um, obviously, I was in I was in the same team as Arsene Wenger, and to have someone like that, where you you know you've got um, you know one of the world's greatest brains on. On, on football available to you um and uh, you know not, not only him but some some really um intelligent people that think about the game and um have concerns about the game and and, and want to drive it forward is, is you know is unbelievable but then having other people that see that sort of um, social aspect and desire to improve the world um so hey look i would I would never endorse um some of the challenges that we've got in human rights in certain countries um what i would say is I, I genuinely believe that fifa um want to have the world cup in qatar so they can have an impact and make a difference um so I, I'm, I'm i'm hoping it's there for that for that particular reason um um but yeah for for me personally um it was it it, it was great and and look i had a had a huge responsibility um, looking after after the technical directors and um, so we had 200, 211 globally um, but um, again great people to work with um, people that thought differently across the game um, about different things and had different views to myself um, but fifa had generated this environment where people were given a platform to speak and air their views and to share ideas um, and that's that's really what what we wanted. We wanted this diverse environment where um, we could we could look at the game um, and not necessarily agree on it, but try and find the best ways forward to improve the game, make it more competitive, um, produce more and better players um, in 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 the future, um, and come up with you know different ideas around that. So you know when they talk about the biannual World Cup. Um, Attached to that, so we, we, we know with a biannual World Cup, there would be a number of challenges with leagues globally, um, but attached to it, they also looked at having annual World Cups for under 17s and under 20s, um, which, which makes complete sense from a player development perspective, um, that actually it's not based on the age that you come through or the age group that you're in. Um, actually, every year there's an opportunity to play at a World Cup for the under 17s and under 20s uh, uh, across the world um so that everyone gets that opportunity because you know as we've spoken about before unless you're put on that global stage and give an opportunity you you never know um so yeah for me it was uh you know it was a great opportunity they're a, a really good organization to work for um I know they've historically had a number of a number of challenges um but hopefully they're now they're moving in the right direction um and you know going to countries like Qatar I really hope it can have the impact that we want it to have, not just on a football perspective, but also for for the lives and welfare of some of the people that, um, that, that, that live in that country.
0: I think that's a great way to end the show, mate. I know uh, we've been pressed for time, obviously, with the time difference and everything. I've got a child that has just woken up, so I'm going to have to rush. You've got a child that needs picking up, so you're going to have to rush. But Gareth, thank you for joining us on the podcast, mate. Um, you know, I, I'm going to put your, your LinkedIn profile in the in the um, synopsis so people who are on the platform can perhaps get in touch with you clubs in Cyprus because I know various clubs watch this pod and various members of staff, they might want to ask you questions and, hey, maybe you can go to Cyprus one day and, and do some courses or, you know, just casting it a little bit wider. What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, no, no problem at all. I'm more than happy for anyone that wants to link or feels to need any support whether that be one of the professional clubs or a, a, you know, a grassroots academy whatever it may look like um, more than happy to help and support and uh, yeah I would love to uh, get out to Cyprus and go and visit at some stage and uh, hopefully I can get you there, there as well Stel thank you very much <laughs> brilliant <laughs> well boys and girls that is it for another episode
0: we've got Voxa coming Saturday the international break is done and then Manchester United on the 6th of October wolf Exciting time. So until next time, Bamashila Kamu.